75 pounds, Cowboy Bill Watts. When you get beat by Bundy, you know you've been beat. And Santana catches it again from the spoiler. In the Georgia Championship area, like it or not. Woo! Championship Wrestling and Clash of the Champions is on the air. And they talk about a poll, which is uh, going to happen about banning the con- about whether or not they should rescind the banning yes. coming off the top banning roof. The what? <laughs> banning the Banning the cunts. Banning the cunts from the arena. That's right, yeah. <laughs> banning all the cunts from the arena. That's right. Yes, so they are going to talk about a poll. Sorry. They are talking about a poll where there is apparently a poll. Oh, God. <laughs> Give it one more try, Tinky. Sorry, go on, mate. Here we go. This is the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spinder, and welcome to the show as we celebrate yet another anniversary. You'll remember that just a few weeks back, we took in WWE's 25th anniversary of SummerSlam, this being in spite of the fact that it had only been 24 years since the first event. Well, whatever WWE can do, WCW can do better. And that being the case, that today we take a look at WCW's 20th anniversary of Clash of the Champions, just four and a half years since the first edition. <laughs> Thank goodness then that these companies are better at presenting wrestling shows than they are at maths. Well, at least most of the time anyway. Joining me today is old man Sam Kerry, a curious mix of considered introspection and wild-eyed external rage. And that's just when he's on the toilet. Old man, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Ah, thank you very much. I'm not going to top that. So I'm just, I, I, no, I don't think I will. Well, I'll move on then. I'll move on then. Because also this week we have a man who is likely finding his trips to the toilet to be a blessed escape from the madness of early fatherhood. His name is Tom Smith. Tom, how are you this week? Oh, he's on mute. That's that's how he is. He's on fucking mute. (laughs) There's there's nothing blessed about my trips to the toilet, mate. They're fucking baptism on fire every single time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but so to a rather sore asshole, I'm doing very well. Good, good. So, so, so you could say that the battle between you and the toilet is the real clash of the champions. <laughs> it is it's the flush of the champions. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there was a WCW show called the Battle Ball. Battle Ball. That's uh, that's what's going on in your toilet right now. Exactly. <laughs> Um, as always, it falls upon me at this time in the show to remind everyone to hit us up at our social media locations. We are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and can be found at RWRPodUK. In the meantime, Tom is at the real Tom Smith and I am at Tink Holloway. Old man doesn't do social media as he hates the human race and with good reason, to be fair. Now, if I'm honest, 
I was doing WCW a little bit of a disservice earlier on by disingenuously suggesting that they don't understand the concept of an anniversary earlier. Because in truth, the anniversary they are promoting on the show is that of wrestling having been on TBS. Sorry, mate, you've got no one to apologise to. They went out of business ages ago. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start today with our expectations, as we always do going in. What were we expecting from Clash of the Champions 20? Let's start with you, old man. Well, as always with these WCW pay-per-views, there was a mix of excitement and fear. The kind of fear you get after you've eaten a lovely meal and you've had that excitement, but there's the fear that it's going to have to come out your asshole at some point. And to your point earlier, there might be a battle ball. I was looking forward to this. I'll be honest. I, uh, I, I looked forward to all of the early 90s WCW pay-per-views. They haven't always been good, but... And I've said this before, so I'm just going over old thing. I may as well be using an old script. But I know we're always going to have a good time talking about them. And I know the listeners are in for a fucking treat. And they're the real winners. A couple of things to clear up there. First of all, this isn't a pay-per-view. It was on television. Free television. Oh, shut up. And secondly, <laughs> there's no scripts when it comes to your bloody pre-expectations. I've got notes here. Ah, well, notes. It's, it's different. Uh, oh, on, what's it say? It says, Tinky's horrible cunt. Oh, yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> well... What can talk can buy, as uh, Del Boy might say. So fair enough. Did, old man, did you ask um, for the notes on this pay per view from Tinky's mum? And that was her. <laughs> I did. She screams them out and throws her passion. Oh come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. You're not Rick Rude with short hair, old man. Fucking hell. <laughs> short hair. I'll take that. <laughs> I think that's the most. I think that's the nicest you've ever been to me. I was, I was referencing his hair, not yours. Yeah. Oh man, your hair's excruciatingly short. <laughs> it's inward. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I quite look forward to this. Um, like old man, a lot of these WCW cards that we review are sometimes a little bit crap. And a little bit camp, and a little bit fun, and a little bit daft, and a little bit silly. And sometimes there's some really good wrestling. Mm. That's all we can hope for. And is that going to happen? We're going to wait and find out. Spin yeah, the wheel. Spin, spin <laughs> the wheel. Spin <laughs> the wheel. Yeah, I was about the same place as you guys, to be honest. Uh, and again, I said this uh, much to your point, old oh, man. We may as well keep the scripts or the notes or whatever we're talking about from previous episodes because I do kind of go into every single one thinking I don't know what we're going to get because WCW is such a mess of different things at different times during those early 90s periods. There's so many different executive vice presidents working in WCW's um, uh, company at the time that you're trying to like who's in charge now and what are they focusing on and what did, what matters to them. Now, this is not that much longer before Eric Bischoff takes over. It's like about three or four months and at the time bill watts was in charge but i didn't know that going in so you know it was only when i started watching that i realized bill watts was in charge but again that gives you some idea then of what you're going to expect because he's got his own style eric bischoff's got his and various other people have got there so it's just a weird thing with wcw you never quite know what you're gonna get no it is a bit like tom's point it's a bit like spinning the wheel isn't it it is not the George Michael song. No, no. Six o'clock in the morning, you ain't home. <laughs> Can't yeah, help no, thinking that scream. Hey, hey. Hey, I've Big fan of 1996, George Michael, me. Love oh, it. it's a great album, older. Do you think I'm looking older? <laughs> no, you're, looking, you're looking perfect, old man. You're looking absolutely perfect. All right, flirt. Much like George Michael's goatee in that era as well. 
That's a great goatee, isn't it? Tiggy, can we not just talk about George Michael? Just <laughs> for a couple of hours and just ignore the show. We we could, but I think our audience expects something else from us. So we should we should try and at least muscle on and, and continue with this Clash of the Champions show. But before we get there, I thought I might pick on you, old man, and ask you for your Byron Faxton of the week. Have you got one for us? I bloody have, but it's not the Faxton of the week. It's the Faxton of the Week. <laughs> and for those that know, no. And for those that don't know, as Tom said, weeks and weeks ago, find out how to know. Because <laughs> you won't regret it. So, at the start of this show, we've got Tony Schiavone and Missy Hyatt outside. And they're in the gala, as Tony Schiavone calls it, evidently completely misunderstanding what a gala is. But Missy Hyatt is a frequent participant in U.S. Civil War reenactments. Right. Okay. That's it. That's, that's your lot. Oh, I, I thought they were supposed to be about Byron Saxton. Yeah. I got Byron Saxton. No one knows anything about it. Average commentator. Well to be in a job. Good looking well, man. Always just, well dressed. You've just used four weeks worth of Byron Faxton's of the week that I was expecting. I'm with Tom. <laughs> I thought this was all about Byron Faxton. No, no. You need to keep it fresh. You need to keep it fresh. Right. right. I wasn't expecting that format, but I like it. Falling back to what George Michael said, you got to have faith in this segment. Yes. He's gone to... He's, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. Right. Oh, um, don't do it, mate. Do it. I was going to say he's gone from Jesus to a child with that joke, but uh, oh, we'll... Uh, Tinky, if you just said that any quieter, it would have been a careless whisper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll move on I'll move on from this with some fast love. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, thanks so you'll find some freedom from all these horrendous <laughs> right right that's it let's go outside <laughs> oh lovely wow so um yeah so this show let's get back to this show so as you yeah. say it's, it starts out with we've got a brief moment at the very beginning where uh, gordon soley is with andre the giant any thoughts on i mean andre's here he doesn't do much he talks a little bit here and talks a little bit later on and then is sat down also a little bit later on so should we address andre right so i need to i saw this and i want i'm really intrigued to see if you guys want the same thing as me so it just starts off with gordon soli and andre doing and gordon soli just goes welcome and they shake hands right i thought oh that's really nice i reckon what's happened is that this is old footage from something that happened in the 80s. Gordon mm-hmm. Soli's already dead, and Andre the Giants just died, and he's welcoming him into heaven. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was what that was what I thought it was. And yeah. then it turns out the cunts are both still alive. Although, admittedly, in the case of Andre, who unfortunately does look in very poor health, died mm-hmm. very shortly after, a couple of months after. Probably coinciding with uh, Eric Bischoff's reign in WCW. Yeah. yeah, that was what I thought it was. And when I realised that it wasn't that... And they were both on the show. I thought, what was the fucking point of that shit? I thought, and this is the only, apart from your explanation, which is watertight, the only explanation I could give for this was that it was a misedit and it's not meant to be there because it's cut off so fast. And they obviously do the tremendous scrapbook opening mm. and it feels like it should be part of that. Now on the scrapbook, is a terrible scrapbook because they keep putting stuff in it and it keeps disappearing. That's annoying. That's happened to me. You're right, though. The, the scrapbook is a bit strange because also the moments aren't really moments. It's not like they they focus on anything really special yeah. or, or really important. It's kind of just really random moments that they've just picked out and gone, oh, well, this guy will do. We'll chuck him on. It's really odd. Are we going to go through these moments now or go through them as the show comes off? Because there's a couple that I wanted to highlight. To be honest, there's so little about them that I'm happy for you to talk to talk about them now because I wasn't going to talk about any of them. 
it's there's one where it's <laughs> Dusty Rhodes and some bloke sat by a swimming pool. What Dusty Rhodes is saying is completely inaudible. And then he just yeah. starts grabbing his own boobs. Yes. <laughs> it's really weird. Like, what was that? Let's be honest. There's only one of these that we're interested in. And it is Mr. Wrestling 2 oh. winning what was undoubtedly a classic in front of what can only be described as a few park benches. Just like raised up. But what a fucking hero Mr. Wrestling 2 is. What a lovely man. The first video clip shows like a bunch of like legendary wrestling wrestlers, including Dusty Rhodes, Bill Watts, Ric Flair... And King Kong Bundy. He gets a big old rub, doesn't he, on this card? He's a big old rub on his big bold head. Some of these things are very Bill Watts. They're quite attached to so Mr. Wrestling 2, for example, and and Bill Watts go many, many years back, for example. Um, Jim Ross was given his debut by Bill Watts, and Jim Jim Ross is the commentator um, on this on this show. There are, you know, so the, Andre the Giant appeared on Mid-South shows um, back in the early 80s when Bill Watts was the booker there. So this is, there's a lot of Bill Watts connection to this whole show. Um, what about the montage um, where it just shows Buzz Sawyer drinking eggs? <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? And he looks like he's really not enjoying them as well. So, Tinky, when you were trying to, like, figure out what the theme was with the videos, were you playing Watts to Watts? Not no, it's not worked. <laughs> you have no idea what you're trying to do. <laughs> it's meant to be dot to dot, but it don't work. Yeah, it doesn't. Right, let's move on. So <laughs> Tony Chavoni and Missy Hyatt are outside, as you said. They're in the uh, gala. Not really sure that's true. There's just a red carpet leading up to this this building that they're in. They again are kind of with Gordon Soli and Andre the Giant, but I don't believe Andre really says anything. He just sort of stood there, which is weird. In fact, he's got his a uh, he's got a stick as well. He's got a um, yeah. walking stick with him, and he does, as you said, as you said, Tom, he looks in quite bad health. Um, just looking at him. Then we get a bunch of people turn up in limos and various other cars. So we have world champion Ron Simmons turn up with his wife, and oh, look at a million bucks. He yeah. talks about keeping the title as he goes up against Cactus Jack later on. Then Bill Watts turns up in a limo along with Hank Aaron, a legendary baseball player, and Bill Shaw, who I believe was kind of Bill Watts' boss, potentially, at Turner. Yes, he was. And presumably, JR is being held back from molesting Bill Watts on arrival because he <laughs> loves him so much. He's just there. I want your sex. I want your sex, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> then... Jim Barnett, Bob Duke, and Bruno Sammartino turn up. I don't know who Bob Duke is, I've got to be honest. Obviously, we know who Bruno Sammartino is. Is he the one that looks like Jimmy Hill? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's funny. There are so many of these exec types that it does look like an FA Cup third round draw from like, the early yeah. 90s. <laughs> Big time. And, Big and time. here's Bert Millichip. <laughs> <laughs> Sting then arrives on a Harley Davidson and he's all excited about the show. Didn't take any notes about what he said, but he's very ah! excited. That's what he says. Yeah. He says that and then he leaves us highly excited. Yeah, which is... Stop, he leaves it there, idiot. Um, then we go inside. Teddy Long is with a councillor from Atlanta who presents mm. a proclamation to Bill Watts declaring this World Championship Wrestling Day in Atlanta. Also, we have Dusty Rhodes, the assassin, you'll be both pleased to have seen, and others milling around in the background, but they don't actually do anything. A special note for Teddy Long's bandana. Oh, it's beautiful. It is fantastic. Like, I've never seen anything like it. These people, apart from the assassin in the background and Dusty Rhodes, although he still looks a bit gormless, they're the most gormless people I think I've ever seen. And, and I include myself in this. 
this is reminiscent of uh, SummerSlam 97 when they get that woman out who gets boomed to death. Yeah. Can't remember her fucking name. But yeah, I was just like, yeah. but then I was like, actually, WCW day in Atlanta. That's actually pretty cool. Do you know why they all look so gormless? Because they are all absolutely in awe of the absolute state that is. And when I say state, I mean it in a good way of Teddy Long's purple sparkly do-rag. I'll be honest, I'd look slack-jawed and gormless if I was in the presence of that. To be honest, you sounded a bit slack-jawed and gormless whilst building up to saying those words, if I'm honest. well, I was thinking about it, wasn't I? Uh, yeah, it took me so long to get there. I was like, what, what is he going to say at the end of this sentence? This is going to be amazing. And then it was just another reference to his bandana. Well, <laughs> to be fair, Tom did sound like he was on the edge of heaven. So. <laughs> God, it? Have you got yeah. a list of George Michael songs on? Fucking right. That's what I do every time anyone gets mentioned. I'm like, right. <laughs> Spotify, quickly, discography, yeah. boom. There we go. Right. Commentators are Jim Ross and Jesse the Body Ventura. They suggest that there may be a problem with the scheduled light heavyweight title match that's due to take place. And they talk about a poll, which is uh, to decide whether or not they should rescind the rule in WCW, which allows doesn't allow people to come off the top rope. There, said it. Four. I didn't get this. So the word rescind... And they kept saying rescind. Threw me off. I don't understand what the rule is. Yeah, it's was. because it's a double negative. That's why. It's yeah. really, that's why I found it hard to say it. So the thing is that there is a rule. No, at no, this yeah, point. that's because you're an idiot. Well, that's true. But there is a rule in WCW at this point, which is you're not allowed to come off the top rope. That's effectively is. And the poll is to decide whether it should be rescinded or not. Yeah. And weird. But do you know what's weird here? Jesse the body's hands in those gloves. They, they look like beetle hands. <laughs> That's the only way I can put it. It look they look tiny and are really weird. No, I'll tell you why it looks weird. He's holding a cane in a really strange yeah. way with his arm wrapped around it. It it looks it, yeah, it does look like a beetle hand. I didn't put that together, <laughs> but it looks really odd. Um, there's uh, what's WCW's beef with top roots? Just get rid of them. Just have two yeah, roots. This is an interesting one because this was obviously a Bill Watts thing that he came up with. And the reason he did it was because he I, I remember seeing him in a kind of shoot uh, interview kind of thing where he talked about the reason he felt it was a good idea was to make it just another element that you could build storylines from. So the idea was that it's just another way for the heels to cheat is another way for the baby faces to potentially do things that they're not supposed to be able to do. But maybe they should be allowed to do because it's their kind of it's it's just always been allowed in the past so it's kind of a way for them to just generate more storylines from just the average matches i think at the time it was seen as a sort of old-fashioned idea the idea that you wouldn't allow people to come off the top rope given that at the in the, the beginning of the 90s that was becoming a more exciting way for wrestlers to mm. put their matches together so there were those people who thought of it as bill watts harking back to an older day an older age but i think his his uh, explanation was that he just felt it was a good way of coming up with new storylines just in the midst of a match and they do play into it quite a lot during this mm. show in fact. it's quite a interesting thing i i thought once i figured it out after i bloody six minutes of trying to figure out the double negative I thought, you know what, this could be quite interesting. We'll see how that works out. You know, for me, wrestling, especially booking, for me... And you like, wrestling is wrestling. It's two (laughs) men oiled up, rolling around on the floor. No. For me, one of the big things about booking in wrestling is 
restricting yourself from doing things. I've said this before when we talked about WW's booking these days and the fact that they do that rematch, rematch, rematch bollocks. But it, it's it's true. I think the more the more things you can put on the show to restrict what you can do as a booker or you or the wrestlers can do, you can create more from it because you have to think round ways then of doing things. Um, so the more rules you've got, or the more things that you preclude yourself from doing, the more creativity mm-hmm. you are forced to come up with to, to make things happen. So I, I think it's an interesting concept. It would be very interesting if they brought it into WWE now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd, yeah. be, it'd be impossible. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah I, was, I was thinking, like, I wonder what Bill Watts thinks about like the Young Bucks and you know, like, in, those indie wrestlers. But he loves them. But he loves my, them. My guess, they're too funky for him. Is that another that's George? A, that's a George oh, come on, that's, mate, that's, that's a ripper. Mate, about twenty minutes ago, we wore out all the George Michael songs I even know. I mean, we're just done. We're done. There's nothing else I've got unless we start going into Wham. Then we are done. Well, why don't you fuck off to Club Tropicana and just leave <laughs> me and Sinking to have a good time? Just uh, what? Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, sorry, Tommy. Uh, oh, oh man, you better wake me up before you go go and get that right next time. <laughs> right. We ran out of this troop last Christmas. <laughs> and that is a wham rap. Oh, damn it. I was just about to say that same thing. Right. Moving <clears> on. <throat> so because we get our first match of the evening and um, it's Steve Austin versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat WCW television title match. So this one ends up going for ten and a half minutes and ends when Austin hits a big elbow, which sends Steamboat out, Steamboat out over the top. Steamboat then crawls under the ring to the other side and then comes off the top rope with a crossbody for the pin. Old man. Just a little quick note before the game. Not before the game, fuck me. Before the match. We've, I've been talking, talking too long. Johnny Big Bad comes down. The most handsome man in w, uh, WCW. I didn't hear why they're coming out to the ring. He walks down to the ring with a schoolgirl. Arm in arm, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is 1992. What's going on? What's going on? And then she sings the national anthem. What a lovely, lovely rendition. Megan Sheehan, 11 year old, comes yeah. out trying to be bad to sing the national anthem. Yes. Yeah. It's and a she, weird visual. It is. This little Richard, little pervert looking guy, who undoubtedly not a pervert, but his whole character was looking weird, and he stood next to an 11 year old girl. And it's just like, oh, okay. Well, I've written that Megan has a few troubles during this rendition. (laughs) (laughs) Taking taking her to task. No, but I was polite. Even in my notes, I was polite. Those are the exact words I used. And um, I also didn't mention during that little summary of the match, this is a no disqualifications allowed. And Paulie Dangerously will be suspended in a cage above the ring so he can't get involved. He's obviously, at this point, the uh, manager of the Dangerous Alliance. And Austin is part of it. There's a um, a bit during this, uh, as you said, the uh, troublesome um, rendition of the Ness anthem that I that I absolutely love though. Is that in the background you can see Paulie talking to Steve Austin the entire time, which I realised he just leant in, leant over him, yeah. showing complete disrespect to the national anthem, which I like as a heel manager, and also feeds into the fact that he's not going to be able to give him instructions whilst he's up in the cage. So it was just it was just good, and I was like, God, Paul Heyman. Even then, you had it. You know, the little details all the time. Yeah. Or do you think he was whispering the national anthem to Austin? <laughs> or, or do you think he was singing Chaos Whisper to him? 
That would have been amazing. Or he's just pretending to do the sack solo just with his <laughs> mouth. Is it? I mean, for some reason, the idea of Austin and Careless Whisper rings a bell, and I don't know why. Did he sing that on like Raw or something at one point? You're because never I can gonna dance again. <laughs> really weird, but I can't imagine him singing it. <laughs> I yeah. can. Anyway, uh, what did you think of the match? You got too much leg, Austin. Yeah. Again, ah. not, not in the not invoking the old biggie, you know, trope. I'm not happy with that. Um, something that occurred to me during this match, Stone Cold Steve Austin, arguably the GOAT. You know, there's a strong argument for that. It one that I personally subscribe to. The best wrestler of all time is Blonde, which as a blonde man myself, and don't get that much representation in, a, in heroic roles, was very happy with. Hang on, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. He's not. You, he's not you, you had Hogan, he's a good sturdy man. In fairness, both of you had Hulk Hogan, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of die job on, H- on Hogan especially in the later days so I'm not having it alright oh, okay, right. okay. I've had Dolph Ziggler <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having that you know what you've done there um, <laughs> Jesse, Jesse you've, you've upset him now you've upset him now he's angry about that yeah at least I fucking got her you cunt um, <laughs> hang on how about Owen Hart Edge Christian you're talking some of the greats You've got loads. How many and great bolts are there? Chris Jericho. Apart from Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from Austin and Lashley. That's it. That's all I got. Kenny you know Omega. It's actually, it is actually quite a, a wasteland, isn't there, of, of, of blonde wrestlers <laughs> now. I think yeah. like, Michael's in, in, in the early days as well. <laughs> but, that, but that being said, though, in, in general day-to-day life, all the superheroes have got dark hair, all the best hey. football have got dark, dark hair. Fuck off. Hey, you, you can both claim Shawn Michaels. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and, and Tommy, we, we all know who can claim Shawn Michaels. That's bloody Tinky. He can, he can claim Brett, though, which is annoying. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the oh, my God, so serious then. He's like, oh, oh, yeah. Damn it. Oh, no. Um, on the subject of hair, uh, Jesse Ventura once again shows why he's the best colour commentator of all time. So he says that Steamboat has a beautiful head of hair. And, you know, all my criticisms of Steamboat, he's got a magnificent head of hair. And it's thick, yeah. it's luscious. You know, and he knows what to do with it as well, which is lovely. Um, I haven't got hardly any notes on the match, if I'm being honest, other than the fact that Austin gets tombstoned in it, which was uh, yeah. quite an odd, quite an odd visual. That bit when Steamboat skins the cat and Austin then elbows him out of the ring is a tremendous spot because he comes back over the top rope and then Austin just fucking elbows <laughs> the fuck out of him, and it's amazing because I don't like Steamboat, as we all know. So it was good to see him, you know, get hurt. Yeah, it was fine. It was a decent open, actually. I quite enjoyed it. They didn't really go into the, the whys of, of Paulie being held above the ring, and it didn't actually really have any consequences on the match either. So I did think it was a bit strange that that was put in to the match as well. But overall, it was quite enjoyable. Well, I guess it had the consequence that it was supposed to have, which was that he couldn't get involved, and therefore Steamboat won. But they didn't really seem to refer back to it much about the match. They like, they did at the end. That was the only yeah. thing at the end when when he won. They said if hey if Paulie Dangerously had been at ringside, he'd have been able to tell Austin that Steamboat was crawling under the ring. Mm. So I like this, but we've got Paulie suspended in the tiny steel cage. I don't quite know why the ring announcer refers to it as the tiny steel cage, but it is quite <laughs> it's it's quite small, and I would have been scared because I'm claustrophobic and a little bit scared of heights. So it would have been my worst nightmare. Um, Steamboat's wearing a girdle for some reason. I don't really understand. He's supposed to have bad ribs, but it's it's a girdle. The 
hotline is advertised a couple of times. Mm. I was going to mention this later. 99 cent a minute in 1992. Can you imagine the money they must have been making? You get a few shots of the legends in the crowd. An old uh, uh, Hank Aaron is there. And uh, (laughs) Jesse asks if Babe Ruth's going to come along. (laughs) And JR just quietly says, Babe Ruth probably won't make it tonight. (laughs) And it's so lovely and dry. And they're great together, these guys. They're really good. They're having a good time with it. And I very much appreciate that. And they kind of start as they mean to go on. Tom's note about when Steamboat skins the cat and then gets walloped over the top rope was my favourite bit of the match. It's great. It's quite weird because they start with a side headlock by Steamboat on Austin for about a minute. And I was a bit like, this is a weird way to start a show. After that, they kick it right into gear. Good fast paced stuff. Just not a whole lot to dislike, really. And I thought, you know what? We're on here. We've got a girdle. We've got someone getting walloped over the top rope. We've got a nice little screwy finish that the commentators allude to, because that's what I was hoping would happen in those like prickish ways that my head goes sometimes. I wanted them to say, well, Heyman wasn't there to stop him. I thought, yeah, lovely old job. I like this. I thought it was really good. It was a really good opener. I really liked that they just kept going, because you're right, at the start, Steamboat puts a headlock on him, and they do keep going back to it. Steamboat keeps trying to get him back into the headlock, but that kind of stops after two or three minutes, and then the match just grows, and it's just lovely. It's just a really nice piece of work, this, and uh, really enjoyed it. I like the fact that they made the point of saying there's no disqualification, because even though, in a way, you could argue they didn't do anything, there was no disqualification. Austin elbowing Steamboat over the top would have been a disqualification ordinarily. So again, it was another way, I think, of them saying, I, I imagine what's happened in the build-up, and I am filling in because you're right, they don't make it too clear why the various things are going on around this match. But my imagination is that ultimately Austin has kept the TV title again and again and again because of things like poorly dangerously getting involved or getting himself disqualified or counted out and this has now had the consequence of having this match and then Steamboat's won the title. And yeah, I thought it was just a really good way to start the start the show. So great start. It's one of those matches where I think Austin talks, I've heard him talk about Steamboat and he talks about him in very high regard because he had a lot of matches. And I can see why, because they do just have a really good, well put together match. It's a beautiful opener, lads. I think I've said this in the past as well. I'm enjoying a match when I don't take many notes. Mm. So, I mean, that's how I know I'm enjoying yeah. it. And I know it doesn't make for the greatest material yeah. when it comes to talking about it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a sign that for me that it's a good match. Yeah. So after this, JR and Jesse Ventura talk about the history of tag teams on um, TBS. And I've made a note here because they are stood in this place the whole show. Mm. And it looks like a part of the locker room. Yes. Very strange. Very odd. Very strange. Mm. Anyway, they talk about the history of tag teams. We then see a clip of some of the legendary tag teams that have been on TBS in the past. So we have got the Russian Assassins, the Briscoe Brothers, the Fabulous Freebirds, the Road Warriors and the Rock and Roll Express are the tag teams highlighted. Uh, The Road Warriors, of course, had only just had their last match, I believe, in WWF of their most recent run at SummerSlam of 92. So this would have been just after that had taken place. Mm. That's a pretty boss list of tag teams in there. Yeah. It's not bad, except I felt like there was scope for a lot more. Like, it just felt like Mm. there's loads more you could 
be mentioning. I don't really mm. know why you've stopped at that. Dusty Rhodes takes one heck of a beat down in the cage. Yeah. It looks absolutely brutal. And I was like, you know what? I like that Dusty Rhodes getting beaten down. It's better than that bloody shit with Saffa. We never <laughs> none of that anymore. Um, Jerry Briscoe, not really interested. Preferred him in the evening gown match with Pat Patterson. Yeah. And something occurred to me when I was watching the Rock and Roll Express, I have a little tumble around. The Lance Storm and Sean Morley of their day. That's where I reckon they were. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, then we get the first of three uh, promo videos for Halloween Havoc. Now, we won't cover this in too much detail here because I think we'll leave it till the very end because the end is the extended version. But we get the first of the, yeah, the first promo video for Halloween Havoc featuring Medusa. Uh, and... Spin no wheel. Spin no wheel. Yeah, wheel. absolutely. Spin. I'll be honest, I watched this promo. Oh, do you know what? I'll, I'll quickly, at a, the abridged version, Medusa walks into a bar. Uh, she comes up to a door, to a little slot. She says, uh, the guy behind the door says, spin the wheel. She says, make the deal. She then walks in. We see Jake Roberts having a little laugh. Lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of very, like, lots of miscreants hanging around in the seedy looking underworld bar, all chanting, spin the wheel. And she then spins the wheel. And you know there's a bunch of miscreants because there's a little person there. There is a little person there. Who, <laughs> yeah, there who I'll say this now. I thought, even though I knew it wasn't... Hornswoggle? Possible, it was Hornswoggle. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> He was, I believe, 12 at the time. So it isn't him. But yeah, um, interesting one. Anyway. I see that promo and I'm like, I'm fucking bang up for Halloween Havoc. Yeah, right. yeah. Shame bang. that we're not covering that show, isn't it? <laughs> well, we can still change the... Uh, change just change the rain. Right, so then we have Jesse Ventura with Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Michael Hayes. Hayes says that they are a combination of the three best tag teams of the 1980s, the Midnight Express, the Four Horsemen, not a tag team, Michael, and the Fabulous Freebirds. So this is ahead of a match that Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton have got with Greg Valentine and Dick Slater. Michael Hayes is incredible. So good on the mic. Michael Hayes is just incredible and then you've got Arn Anderson the father figure just there just watching over just looking angry with life and I was like I couldn't be that angry if Michael Hayes was cutting that promo and with that energy loved it there we get the next match which as I said is Dick Slater and Greg Valentine they've got Larry Zabisco in their corner against Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton with Michael Hayes it is a match that only lasts six minutes and seemingly features two heel teams against one another uh, the end comes when Sabisco tries to hit Anderson with his cast that he's got on his arm but gets Valentine instead then Eaton hits the Alabama jam allowing Anderson to pin Valentine Tom thoughts on this one despite it being only six minutes long and it, I think it probably could have gone a bit longer I really quite enjoyed it actually um, it was quite chaotic it was a bit all over the place and I think that kind of added to the tension in it the one thing criticism I would have the match is that they should have teamed Arn Anderson up with Greg Valentine because then they could have been Arn and Hammer. And that, would have, and that would have been great. But yeah, it, it was just fun. It was just quite, quite fun. Which I, again, I'm not quite sure what the, the purpose really of Larry Zabisco and Michael Hayes is on the outside because they didn't really add anything to the match apart from, as you said, old man, the tremendous promo at the at the big, at, you know, prior to the match starting. But I, I thought I quite enjoyed it. I've got no idea who Dick Slater is. I haven't got a clue who that, who that lad is. But um. It, it was overall good stuff, and again shows the kind of like the incredible work that Bobby Eaton was able to do because his just heel tag team work when he's outside of the ring and just getting involved and doing these little 
you know, in like little like bits to just put off the put off the opponent or to mm. get a little cheap shot and stuff like that is is absolutely brilliant. And it's got to be said, like I've become a big Bobby Eaton fan over the last probably two months, I reckon. Like since we since we first been since we first had him, and he's any match that he's in, I'm always going to enjoy. Agreed. He is he's he's the MVP of this match, not of the night, but we'll get to that. Um, what's weird? Dick Slater, dirty Dick Slater. Another dirty well, dick. They're right. Like, I mean, I I can understand the obsession with dirty dicks, but it's very strange because this isn't a this is 1992. Dirty dick means dirty dick right now. Like that means stained penis. <laughs> I'm with Tommy. This just starts off in a mess, like an absolute mess. They beat the shit into each other, and then they're done. And it's just really enjoyable stuff. It's completely opposed to what's just happened, and I think that's what helps. I think if you were watching this as part of, like, when we watched um, SummerSlam 1990, I think if this was part of that show, it would be a very different review. But I think because of where it is, Bobby Eaton's involved. I'm happy. I've had the good promo before. Yeah, we'll have it. We're on a roll. Interestingly, I didn't like this very much. Um, I don't know why. I didn't get on with it. I think that the chaos just was a little bit annoying for me. I, I just wanted it to settle to be. Mm. I think you're right. It goes straight into the chaos, and I'm just a bit like, can we just at least set the set the scene for a couple of minutes, and then go into the chaos mm. at least? And it just didn't really do anything for me. I think also the dynamic of having two heel tag teams with two heel managers on either side of the ring as well, and them all get involved. It just, I don't know. It all wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. But it wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. But it it just wasn't. Wasn't what I was looking for. So next up, Jim Ross interviews Bruno Sammartino. Um, he quotes the 187 sellouts at Madison Square Garden that Sammartino uh, apparently did. And Sam Sammartino puts over Steamboat's win. Sammartino says that the other league has been an embarrassment over the past 10 years. For a start, you got his name wrong, Tinky. It's Jimmy Hill. <laughs> and, yeah, he takes a page out of old Miro and CM Punk's book, doesn't he? And has yeah. a little, good, well, little prick. I'll tell you what, his ears are horrendous. Oh. Just absolutely vile. Like, people call him cauliflower. If I bought a cauliflower like that, I'd be fucking fuming. Horrible. What's weird, um, I forgot to mention this earlier, Jim Ross, right, smiling at the camera. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> I I I wasn't sure about mentioning this because obviously he's had Bowers palsy for quite a long time where yeah. smiling has been increasingly difficult. But even before then, he's like he he looks like a young upstart. He's probably about forty, but yeah, he, he looks. I'm sorry, but so I've got a note about it later on. He looks like someone's behind the camera with a fucking gun, being like, "Smile, you podgy little gun," <laughs> because. <laughs> Oh man, nearly spout out water then. <laughs> <laughs> because, because there is fear in his eyes as he's smiling. Like, I wonder if he's worried he's got a little bit of sprig of basil in his teeth or something like that. I mean, but he just looks absolutely terrified when he's doing his little smile. He yeah. smiles like Arnold Schwarzenegger does in the extended director's <laughs> cut of Terminator 2. Yeah, he does. It's amazing. <laughs> It isn't it isn't the most natural, but uh, he has to do it a lot during this show because there are a lot of breaks. So there's yeah. a lot of going to the break. Hey, I'll, but I'll tell you somebody who doesn't need a hand smiling, and that's the charisma machine that's up next. So the is Mr. Wrestling too? Yeah, it is indeed. Oh my God, they're talking to him. 
a pre-recorded Mr. Oh. Wrestling 2 interview in a, in somewhere hot, which we find out later on is Hawaii. Oh, yeah. He says it's good to see wrestling getting back to being wrestling. So WCW are very much hammering home, and Bill Watts is very much hammering home that this is where you come to for your serious wrestling, and WWE is where the cartoon stuff takes place. You know what? There's one guy who can get away with that. <laughs> Mr. Wrestling 2. Have we missed that section where? Teddy Long's in the VIP room with Andre, Gordon Surdy, Bob Armstrong and Thunderbolt Patterson. We who, have uh, indeed a, missed that out. As, as a little thank of God. He's like, go on, God. Cheers, mate. Teddy Long's, yeah, as you say, Teddy Long in the VIP lounge. Gordon Soli and Andre the Giant are just talking. They're just sat there talking. They don't speak to them at all. They just are there. And then he speaks to Bob Armstrong and Thunderbolt Patterson, as you said. Um, I didn't I didn't know if there was anything specific you want to say about this. This is where, though, it really hit home for me how ill Andre yeah. the Giant is looking. Very sad. Also, I'm not going to lie, boys. I'm starting to get what with the bit at the beginning, with all of the, all of the stuff about Bill Watts turning up and the the uh, Atlanta City Council man, the you know the montage with the legendary wrestlers and Tony Schiavone and Missy Hyatt at the beginning. I'm starting to worry that I'm going to get some severe Slambery '93 vibes. Well, I was worried more that we were going to get some SummerSlam 1990 vibes because there was lots of talking segments and non-wrestling segments, and there was just huge chunks of it. So this stretches from the... So after the Greg Valentine Dick Slater on Anderson Bobby Eaton match, there's a scrapbook moment with Jim Cornette. And after that, there are about four or five segments before we get the next match. And in between each segment, there's a scrapbook moment as well. Ted Turner... But he comes directly after Mr. Wrestling 2. And it's like, you can't put the goat before the goat shit. Like, no. Is it fair to say that he does a TED Talk? <laughs> Ted Turner does do a TED Talk. He talks about 20 years of wrestling on TBS and WCW's attempts to get wrestling back to its traditions based on athleticism. So again, this theme is running through with this thing. This is also an interesting clip because I think I've seen this a number of times in the past because it's the clip WWE used on their kind of history um, documentaries where they're talking about WCW was owned by a billionaire. And here's that, because I, I got feeling mm. probably wasn't on WCW television very much, if at all. Um, but this is obviously him very seriously on screen in, you know, just him talking. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not surprised he won't tell me very much because he's, he's, not, he's not the charisma machine, is he? Yeah, but I didn't think he was terrible. I didn't think he was awful. He was all right. It was just, it was just a bit boring. Yeah, yeah, but you know, he's not he's not a personality. So Tony Savoni is then backstage with Bill Watts. Shavoni oh. says, um, Armstrong, Brad Armstrong, is out with an injury and can't defend the light heavyweight title tonight. Bill Watts says that they've had to make a decision to strip him of the title and a tournament will be held to crown a new champion. I'm not mad at this premise of you know a, a champion not being able to defend the, the belt and, and then a tournament happen. But I am I don't want to hear Bill Watts, Bill Watts talk because he's so boring. He's rubbish. His delivery was awful. The one thing I do like about this is that he puts over Brad Armstrong very strong. A little bit too strong and they might be having a little, a little affair. But we can't substantiate that because Brad Armstrong's passed away. And I like the fact that they announced the tournament as well, like immediately. And they're like, oh yeah, we're going to have a tournament. It's going to, doesn't say when it's going to start. So I couldn't have sort it out if I wanted to I thought this was alright I prefer the bit that comes after to be honest before we get Sorry. to that I want to talk about Bill Watts a bit because I, I think you're right he's he's a, he's a strange he's got a strange 
uh, style to his talking, I find. I've watched a lot of Mid-South from the early 80s, and he commentates on it. He's They've got a weird setup where they've got two blokes and the first guy that I can't remember the name of, um, he introduces, like he'll go, welcome to Mid-South Wrestling, our next match is this. And then Bill Watts just talks and commentates, but he is just talking, really. It's really odd. But what he does really well during the commentary is he tells the stories about what they're doing and why they're doing it. And like um, he, because he, obviously he's booking, he gets over everything he wants people to see in the match and, and gets over everything that's going on. So I I have quite I quite like Bill Watts' style, but I think it's really an acquired taste. It is it is not when I first watched him, I was like, Oh god, this kind this guy cannot talk. Like he's really weird and he's not a commentator. But he's just got a a strange style about him, which as I said, I think as old man said, he delivers the things that he wants people to care about really well. Like he makes it clear, you know, Brad Armstrong's a great champion and mm-hmm. We've got a tournament coming up. He's trying to sell the stuff that matters, but his delivery leaves something to be desired. Can I also say that the uh, you know the, the stripping of the title is massively telegraphed by the fact that Bill Watts is holding the title at the beginning <laughs> yes. of the segment as well. Yeah, perhaps he was trying to heal the pain that Brad must have been feeling. Mm. Is that another George Michael song? You and the other listeners will have to find out. So, um, as you said, Tom, this continues in the next segment. Jesse Ventura is with brad armstrong armstrong says he feels extremely let down um due to his injury and that he has and he feels like he's let his family down brian pillman then arrives on the scene and says it's very disappointing and says it's a disgrace because millions of his fans are now not able to see him win the title he calls brad a coward and tells him his dad is upstairs ashamed brad protests that he's hurt and asks pillman not to do this but pillman calls him scum and slaps him in the face amazing that's it. I'm done. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the zero to 60 nature of it that I quite like. It's that Brian Pullman's like, yeah, yeah it's disappointing, actually. Yeah, it's a shame. Go, and you're a fucking disgrace! You're scum! <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame to you. Fuck off. And then what I also like about it is that all the... Oh, Bullet Brad Armstrong. I'm assuming that was his name. Um, No, Bullet was his dad, didn't he? Um, Billy Goat Bob uh, Brad Armstrong. <laughs> Billy Goat Bob. Um, Billy Goat Bob Brad Brian Armstrong. Yeah, exactly. Red Dog Jesse James. <laughs> exactly. They're all named after weird animals. He keeps he's like getting like absolutely disrespected. And he keeps calling him brother, which I was <laughs> quite find quite amusing. So, I'm disappointed as well, brother. And he's like, Fuck you, you're a cunt. I hate you. Yeah. I hate your mum. And I hate your dad. You're a fucking bellend, you dick cheese. It's alright, brother. I'm disappointed too. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, what's weird about it, honestly, what's weird about this is actually it's probably the most realistic uh, reaction that any wrestler has ever had to somebody else getting a little bit over angry. Like, yes. and it just comes over completely strange because he's being like, yeah. actually, he's being, you know, pretty. He's trying to calm him down. He's trying to disarm him. Of course he is, because yeah. they're mates. They're, they're just expecting a match, a competitive match with each other. But yeah, it just doesn't fit wrestling very well. <laughs> Jerkin or Brad was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> like, so, maybe, maybe off camera. He was like, that, what, that, what, that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, this, this was great. Every now and then I see a little bit of Pillman. I'm like, this is why people lost their bloody sack over him. Bloody lovely old job. Next up is a video package, this time of some of the great stars of wrestling that have appeared on TBS. Um, so this is they very much positioned the previous one as tag teams. This is the great singles wrestlers. Um, so we see here 
bits of Dusty Rhodes, Stan Hansen, Ron Garvin, Tony Atlas, Magnum TA, Buzz Sawyer, uh, Mr. Wrestling 2, Great Kabuki, Ted DiBiase, Bill Watts, Wahoo McDaniel, Mass Superstar, Jimmy Valiant, King Kong Bundy, The Spoiler, Iron Sheik, Tully Blanchard, the one that everybody was wondering whether or not they were going to show or not, Ric Flair, who was, of course, at this time in WWF, Terry Funk, Tommy Rich, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's out of a list, isn't it? Mm. It is, yes, absolutely. Just a quick note on Piper. What's weird about Piper is how round his head is. <laughs> as noticed this, like as he got older, his head seemed to get longer, but he's got right. a really round. He, yeah, yeah, he's got a really round head. At this, well, in this video clip, whenever it's from. Little note: I think Gordon Soli is talking over some of this. So just about Soli being born, and then go on, Mister Wrestling too. That's it. That's my notes. Have <laughs> <Are> we? <laughs> It's as if at this stage in his career he was roundy Roddy Piper. <laughs> That's good shit. Oh, I've also, there's a gentleman, I think it might be in the next clip, called The Spoiler. Mm. And uh, Gordon Soli says he uses the ring ropes like they're part of the ring. <laughs> Can't argue I mean, with it, can you? He's bloody right. <laughs> he is. He is. But they're not like they're part of the ring. They are part of the ring. We're using our webcam and microphones like they're part of the computer. Yeah. The um yeah, so this is a as you say, just a list of stars from TBS and they are various stars that so there's a I don't know exactly the history here, but partially it's Jim Jim Crockett promotions and then subsequently WCW that were on TBS. But before that, there's obviously a very short period of time where the WWF would have been on the show when they bought the time slot, um, famously, and then didn't the, the ratings tanked and they'd sell it back um but before that i think it would have been florida championship wrestling that was on um or maybe georgia championship wrestling i'm not actually sure one of the two would have been on tbs prior to this point so they've had they've harkened all the way back to 1972 but it's not just jim crockett that was on tbs in the past then we've got the same halloween havoc advert as before the shortened version exactly the same and then a video vignette of Ron Simmons, including him winning the WCW world title, becoming the first black world champion. Uh, that footage of Ron Simmons winning the title looks amazing. Mm. It looks fucking amazing. The crowd of gone bananas. I wish I was there. I wasn't yeah. there. I would have been eight. I <laughs> didn't know didn't know Ron Simmons was at the time, but it looks amazing. Well, I, I mean, first of all, there's some incredible music playing over the promo video. But when they show the clip of him winning the title, there's like there's the gentleman in the front row who is just like you can see in that guy that he's like I never I never thought I'd see this, and he's bawling his eyes out. Not quite as bad as that guy when CM Punk appeared on <laughs> yeah. AEW Rampage a few weeks ago. But yeah, I was like, you know what? This is a bloody this is a bloody good thing. This what well I'm Ronald, and then I remembered his name's Ronald, and then I had a little chuckle to myself. Yes, indeed. So then we get uh, another little scrapbook moment with where with this featured referee Ernie Shavers, which is not the first time I've heard this name, but I've no idea who he is. Honestly, that's his name, and it's not the first time I've heard it, but I actually still don't know who he is or why he's significant. Maybe he's related to Brutus the Barber. <laughs> Ernie Shavers is an American former professional boxer who competed from 1969 to 1983. There you go. Uncharismatic man in ref shirt cuts terrible promo. And we are recording this on a Tuesday. I watched this on Saturday morning. I have no memory of writing that. I think think at this point I'd settled into delirium 
because we are just over 54 minutes in. I made a little note of this. We've had two. We've had as many matches as we have Halloween Havoc promos. <laughs> uh, I think as just before we go into the third of the five match card, we will take a little break and come back in just a moment. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TBS. We're live here at Center Stage on West Peachtree in Atlanta, and I'm standing by a man that is genuinely a, a legend in the sport, a man that headlined 211 main events in Madison Square Garden with 187 sellouts. And, Bruno, thank you for being with us. And what did you think of that first championship matchup? Well, Jim, i got to tell you, first of all, I'm really thrilled to be here. And as far as that first match with Steamboat and Austin, that was absolutely sensational and great to see Steamboat win the title. And I'm really anxious to see the match between uh, Ron Simmons and Cactus Jack, the championship match. Bruno, I know that you watch a great deal of wrestling. What do you think of the product now here in WCW? Well, I'll tell you, I am so thrilled. That's why I'm so thrilled to be here because, again, I see the kind of wrestling that I was used to, the kind of wrestling that was in my time, and now it's here. And thank God for the WCW because I'll tell you what, what I've been experiencing the past 10 years with that other league, it's been a total embarrassment. It's great to see professional wrestling at its best back again. I know you're going to be a part of Halloween Havoc in Philadelphia on Sunday, October 25th, and we're all excited about that. I'll tell you, Jim, I was at uh, one of the Halloween Havocs a couple years ago, and it was very exciting. And I want to tell all the fans, Philadelphia and surrounding areas, come because you're in for a treat because you will see the very, very best in professional wrestling right in Philadelphia. Bruno, thanks very much for being with us and now let's go back up to teddy long in the vip room welcome back to the show so next up is the wcw world heavyweight title match between ron simmons and cactus jack this match goes for nine minutes and is won by ron simmons when he hits a spine buster followed by a power slam for the victory mm. oh man that's a bit disappointed with this so i'll be honest this felt really rushed so there is basically no selling that i can remember at all and it just feels like they're kind of um in kind of the same way that the tag match does but the tag match is more than two people it's just very frantic and very i didn't really know what was going on you'd imagine the job is to make old ronald look pretty strong and it kind of kind of succeeds but like you've got old cactus jack drops his elbow towards the end from the apron onto the floor and it looks horrendous it looks like it hurts both of them but it's just completely no sold and then they go into the finish. And I think that little segment kind of summed up the whole match. I thought this was going to be really good. I think I'd probably overrate Ron Simmons, to be honest. I think Ron Simmons is probably just a good, sturdy hand. But I think in my mind, he's much better than he actually is. Yeah, a bit disappointed. Yeah, uh, no, I think you probably are overrating Ron Simmons. <laughs> Not the best worker. He's just He's just a big muscle guy that looks quite impressive, really, and is relatively uh, charismatic. That is what he is, but not particularly great wrestler. Ollie Anderson's the ref. Yes, he is. For, no, no, is for no reason, and has no involvement in the ring, other than being terribly slow when it comes to getting into a position where he can actually do an, a, a, a competent count. So they do reference that he's the senior official. Well, he's quiet. definitely senior, the old fart. <laughs> this match was all right, I thought. It was, quite, again, quite short. And I did wonder why it was so short, because I do wonder if it, they could have, like you said, old man, no selling in it. And I wonder if they do that mm. because there's no real time. I think this is probably the first ever Cactus Jack match I watched. And not Cactus Jack in the old, oh, we're, we're self-aware, he's self-aware that it's Mick Foley sort of thing. The earliest Cactus Jack match, you mean? No, no, I think it's the first... Have I seen characters, another Cactus Jack match? 
we see yeah, in, the, in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, Slam, uh, Spring Stampede 94. I think probably yeah. Slamboree 93 as well. Really, don't remember them. <laughs> <Must have left laughs> them By the way, you can see Foley's really good at this stage in this career. He's really, he is bumping around for, for Ron Simmons. Admittedly, not really selling it afterwards, but you can see that he's he's got athleticism that you wouldn't necessarily associate with a man with his body shape. And that is kind of culminated when Ron Simmons nearly kills Cactus with a forearm from a three-point stance in which he looks like he nearly kills him. But that is about all the, the notes I've really got from that match. It, it, was, it happened and... It was over, and I'm thinking to myself, I hope there's some more actual wrestling. But I got a feeling we might get some more non-wrestling. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind this match. Um, I thought it was okay, but I do agree, it was a bit of nothing. They, they, you're right. They seem to rush through most of the match again, maybe as you say, because the time was just not allocated to them. But it was okay. They did, they did okay with what they did. It was there to give Ron Simmons a victory over a a threatening contender. So I guess it did its job, but. There's not too much to talk about it. It's just a television match, a standard television match, ultimately. Mm. And that is what this is, really. It's a, tele- a glorified television show. So Yeah. So then we get video footage of the post-match celebration in Tokyo, showing Masachono being awarded the NWA World title. So this is where things get a little bit confusing. As we've said before, we discussed this before, the confusing situation with the world titles in WCW. There was the WCW World title and there was the NWA World title. And they effectively, by this point, were very two very different things. Masachono had beaten Rick Rude in Japan. And we then see some footage of the match, which looks pretty good from what we see, I think. Mm. We then get some comments from earlier in the day from Rick Rude. And Rude tells Chono to be prepared for a rematch. Uh, Rick Rude presumably has just come back from checking someone's mum in that promo. He's just looking a bit, a little bit out of path, a little bit sweaty. But it looks like he's had a lovely, lovely old time. Then we get another halloween havoc advert and it is again the same shortened version as we had before mm. don't worry we're getting to the long version we'll get there we'll yes get there. and jim ross interviews cactus jack cactus jack says he feels good and felt simmons's weaknesses and says he's found a man who can help his team and exploit those weaknesses and that man is ron simmons former tag team partner Haxel butch reed oh <laughs> what are you getting Didn't excited you- about there tom I was, I was getting excited for the Barbarian. Well, he's he's already with he's already Kaki with Jack. Jack. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I didn't mention the Barbarian, but it's not it's not Powers of Pain Barbarian, so I didn't think you'd mind so much, Tom. I mean, it's not my favourite incarnation of the Barbarian, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but still, the Barbarian at least. I yeah. prefer if you brought out the Warlord. It's a weird grouping, this, isn't it? <laughs> the Barbarian, <laughs> Cactus Jack, and Butch Reed. <laughs> i be honest, I think I was slipping into a malaise at this point. Didn't get it at all. Did you get the fact that Cactus Jack says that his pancreas is in pain? <laughs> yes, I did get that. <laughs> like you just said to me, I was like, why is he hanging around with a barbarian and Butch Reed? Rest in peace. It is weird. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. And to be honest, I think this is the part of... You talked about Cactus Jack looking impressive already during during his match. This is the part of Cactus Jack's act where he clearly needs some work, in my opinion, mm. because his promos, he does a promo here and he does one after this next match as well. And they're both a little bit lacking in something. And also, I think an older Cactus Jack took, takes the time to figure out why his character is doing the things he's doing yeah. here. It very much feels like someone's told him this is how this is booked. Go out there and do it. And he just did it. To be fair, he was probably wondering why he stood next to the barbarian and Butch Reed. But that's my point, is I think in future years, Foley would have taken the time to go, OK, if I've got to do this, I've got to figure out why 
this mm. is happening. But here he just doesn't seem to have tried to. That leads to the next match. It's the Barbarian and Butch Reed against Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. Uh, this one goes for eight minutes and uh, it ends when Barbarian does a big boot to Wyndham and pins him. That is the end of the match. A big boot. Um, I was going to say, you're like, right, I need to trawl through my notes. I've just got incredible kick by Barbarian to Wyndham for the win. <laughs> That's how it ended. Oh, man, any other notes on the match? Um, there is a great bump by Dusty Rhodes Jr. that is accentuated by the incredible noise by Cactus Jack on commentary. To be honest, it sounds like he's tugging off. And I was like, you know what, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like he's Cactus Jacking one off. That's going to be a that's going to be a painful wank, isn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> is. So he's got a prickly prick anyway. I thought this was alright. The hot tag to old Baz Winder is kind of like what you're waiting for the whole time. Pretty much immediately after the bump that old Dusty Rhodes Jr. takes, you're all waiting for it, and it doesn't disappoint when it happens. It's kind of alright. Like I, they've definitely lost their way, but then I did kind of think. When I was summarizing the match, that's not a word. I always think it is a match, is a word, but it's not. Summarizing the match, I did think I was typing a barbarian, butchering, Barry Windham, and Dustin Rhodes. What was I expecting, to be honest, apart from a decent ish match? I think I just needed a little bit more at this point because I was starting to, starting to sink. Bye bye! Well, I, I just want to grammatically correct you, old man. Surmise is a word, it's just not the word you were looking for in that particular context. <laughs> Uh, also, I said surmise without the R. Oh, I see. That's where I always go wrong. So we can surmise my surmisation of my summary. <laughs> you still use the word. You still use the word that doesn't exist in that sentence. Yeah, I'll bloody do it. I'll keep doing it. It's why you can't fucking own me. As long as you, you own it, old man, no one will be upset. Yeah, fuck you, everyone. Tom, I'm sorry, but Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes is the definition of a tag team. That I never want to see. No interest in either of them. I love a bit of gold dust, as we discussed earlier, but Dustin Rhodes is rubbish. Apart from that bump you said about Old Man, where he goes through the turnbuckle to the outside, which makes Cactus Jack climax. It's not interested. Barbarian and Butch Reed. I'd have rather the Barbarian had a different tag team partner. <laughs> Probably the Warlord, ideally. But it's just, again, it's not it's not long enough to be anything. Again, it's just another really short match that happens. You're right, Old Man. The, the kick... At the end, it's pretty amazing because mm-hmm. um, it nearly kills him. And the bit that I did actually quite like about it is that when Barbarian kicks Wyndham in the face, Dustin Rhodes is turning around and getting out of the ring. Mm-hmm. And he then turns around when the referee's on like two and tries to get back in the ring and can't make it in there, there in time. It's just quite a nice little touch. Do you know what I mean? Like a nice yeah. little ending to, to, to a tag team match because it kind of makes sense. It looks a bit weird because we're not used to seeing that. You know, especially with the way that we've watched, you know, specifically WWF tag team matches, that they're always messy at the end. There's always loads of stuff going on. There's people outside of the ring and stuff desperately trying to get in. The fact that this just simply goes back into it, it comes back in, just makes sense. So I quite like that. What I did like were uh, Wyndham and Rhodes' really crap cowboy boots they were wearing. <laughs> of course, you know what the kicker is with your powers of pain thing? Hercules is in the main event. But Hercules isn't part of the powers of pain, so it's not a problem, is it? No, I was when I saw that <laughs> he's Super Invader in the main event. So like, who's this fucking massive cock? And I was like, oh, it's Hercules. And I, my immediate thought was like, 
Oh yeah, hang on, I always get these guys confused. Was he yeah. in Powers of Pain? No, no, no we, I, 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 I've spent a few days concerned <laughs> for you, Tom, that your mental health might have suffered because someone that wasn't in Powers of Pain was in the main event that you don't care about. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, I said it a minute ago. I said it. Yeah, you did. Not and, that, <laughs> and then it clicked in my head. I was like, oh yeah, he's totally right. Hercules was in Power and Glory. Ah, oh, that was that was Powers and Glory, wasn't it? With the arms. Yes. You're going to be sour and gory. I think you've been unfair to Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham here, Tom. Not because you should really love them, but if you were worried about what the problem was with this match and you were looking at those two people, I think you were being completely unfair. Because let's be honest, their opponents here aren't much up to much, are they? Barbarian and Butch Reed. Someone seems to have taken the plug out of Butch Reed's body because it's nowhere near as big as it was like four years before this in wwf and they're just yeah they're not they're not great this was for me around about the same as the first tag team match even though it was about three minutes longer just a bit too chaotic just straight away really chaotic just quite jarring i just don't what it felt to me mid Mid atlantic's television show in the early 80s was like this all the time every match was pretty much like this and i found it desperately dull it's just always like this and it's a classic case of two minutes of kind of chaos is quite fun in amongst something that's quite ordered but when it's all chaos it's just not fun it just gets boring very very quickly and i just found this match and the earlier tag match just a bit dull because they were just it was just instantly chaotic and it wasn't really for me well to be honest if you didn't like the chaos of the match you ain't gonna like the promo at the end are you so there is as you say a promo jim ross interviews cactus jack barbarian and butch reed again Cactus Jack says Ron Simmons better have eyes in the back of his head because they're coming after him. Again, they obviously, WCW themselves, obviously think quite highly of Mick Foley on the mic because it's the second time he's had the chance to talk on the show, which features a heck of a lot of old timers, legends, um, you know, other big wrestlers, big stars. And he gets two talking segments and is on commentary during the previous match as well. But I just don't think he's very good at this point, or at least he is not at his best during this show. No, there's a lot more to come, as you said earlier, isn't there, from Michael J. Foley. Indeed. We then get a shot, a very quick shot of Jake Roberts peeking through the curtain. (laughs) Yeah, what's this? Very, very quick. Um, And... uh, Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura allude to it, but that's all it is. It's just them peeking mm-hmm. through the curtain. Uh, there is then a video package which hypes the main event and also kind of sets the scene for all the various, well, a couple of feuds that are, are kind of running into this. So it shows Vader attacking Sting, then beating him for the title months later. It also shows Sting being attacked by Jake Roberts and then also documents the feud that's taken place between Rick Rude and Nikita Koloff. And the Steiners are also there. And the Steiners are also there. And the Steiners do a DDT from the shoulders. So Rick has some twat on his shoulders. And Scott evidently got his maths right and gets the angles right. And he DDTs someone off of his shoulders. And it looks incredible. I'm glad I've never seen it again because it would terrify me. So this leads into our main event. It is an eight-man tag elimination match, or Survivor Series, I guess you could call it. The match goes for 16 minutes, and uh, I could go through all the eliminations here, but I'm not going to. I'm simply going to go straight to the end, and we can pick out anything that we specifically want to pick out. So effectively what happens is that Jake Roberts pulls Rude over to his corner after Rude is taken down by Sting. Roberts gets the tag, DDT Sting, and pins him for the victory. This comes after Vader came off the top rope 
down onto Sting and to Ru- uh, and to uh, Rick Rude with a with a big old splash. Who wants to go first? Well, can I just right, a little thing about Super Invader before we go on? So I didn't know this was Hercules and this, but he's got red tights on his head, and you can see his moustache through the tights, <laughs> which is truly magnificent work, I must say. Yeah. And also, big Harley Racing Medusa over here with the heels as well. Yeah. Um, and it's just always nice to see Harley Race. You know, he's thinking about a buffet. <laughs> I was a bit disappointed that he won't wear his red jacket, I'll be honest. But yeah, well, you... It's always disappointing. Yeah, you can't have everything. That's um, his dinner jacket, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I suppose, I suppose the red covers the ketchup stains, doesn't it? Exactly. Which it, which he'd have drenched on everything, you fucking horrible bastard. Anyway. Uh, no, I, I highly race. I think he likes his food dry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Kolov is now a travelling evangelist in real life. I'm going to go through a little bit at the start. I enjoy Carry it. Carry on. Yeah. And I completely uh, didn't have a clue what was going on, to be honest. So Vader kills Scott Steiner in the corner. Just kills him. He's beating the shit into him. He is beating him like a red-headed stepchild. It is awful. Like, absolutely horrible. Rick Root sells a Tilt the World Backbreaker in classic Rick Root style. He arches his back. He's rolling around. And he rolls towards his corner. And Jesse Ventura points it out. And I was like, it's lovely stuff. It's just really, really good. Because then he gets he gets tagged out by someone. Lovely old job. Rick Steiner does a couple of suplexes on Vader. Fuck. The belly to back is sensational. Yes. And what makes it better, so I've just criticised Ronald and Jacqueline for this, for not selling. Vader completely no-sells it. But he can do it because he's a massive bastard. And it's tremendous stuff. And after that, to be honest, so Scott Steiner jumps off the top rope, completely missed by everyone, including Scott Steiner, I believe. I believe it's one of those things that happens, that it probably isn't meant to happen. He then gets eliminated, and then I just lost it completely. I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. I There were eliminated, there were people jumping off top ropes, there were people getting pinned. There's the finish that I didn't know what... I Oh, mate, it was... You said that like the other two tag matches were too chaotic. This should be a mess. This should, by rights, eight-man elimination match should be a mess. But I think because it comes at the end of this card, it was just too much for me. I just didn't know what was going on. Just ended up in the feet in the fetal position, just sobbing. I, I, it's funny because I kind of agree with you, and I think the reason I didn't mind the chaos too much here is because they did at least start off for the first five, six, seven minutes with this being quite yeah. weird, and then it descended into chaos, and I can live with that. It's just when it starts chaotic and doesn't yeah. go anywhere else. But you are bang on. What a German suplex, Rick Steiner! Oh, oh, oh. This is possibly. The greatest move I've ever seen. I thought it was fantastic. I was like, that is incredible. I, I'm happy that Rick Steiner had an, like a really long, twenty near 20-year career just so he could do that damn thing, because it was wonderful. It's phenomenal, isn't it? And, and JR nearly shits himself when he does yeah. it as well. It's, it is tremendous. And one thing I noted about like Rick Steiner, like I think after the suplex, Vader kind of goes at the ring, comes back in, does something, they have another little set to. And Vader hits Rick Steiner with a splash, which Rick Steiner then kicks out from. And it really looks like they're doing a job to, to make Rick Steiner look really strong at this point in the match. I've got a couple of notes that happened prior to that, though. Just like we don't really know why there's beef between Rick Rude and Koloff. I'm assuming it's because Rick Rude shagged his mum. <laughs> Every time that's going to pop me. 
Yeah. And I've got a note there saying there better be an atomic drop cell from Rick Rude in this match. And there is one, but it's not his best. And I was a little bit disappointed by it, which I think we can all agree with if, if you noted that at all. Um, and it's not the cell I wanted. And it did that in itself kind of disappointed me a little bit. Um, there's a spot in the middle of the match which I quite liked where um, Scott Steiner comes in and goes for a Frankenstein. But there's been a blind tag in the middle and Rick Rude comes in and kicks him while he's in midair. And it's just quite cool. It's just you don't see that very often. Mm. Um, there's also a bit just shortly after that where Jake Roberts clearly isn't paying attention. Yeah. And walks along to the middle of the ring as someone gets Irish whipped into it. And he just falls off the ring apron looking really pissed <laughs> off. Um, which, which is just a nice mix. He's clearly just his mind somewhere else entirely. And I thought that um, the elimination of Koloff was quite sloppy. Because there's a there's I can't remember what the move was, and, but the Steiners are halfway into the ring and then kind of like stop and then try and get back in again. It just looks a bit a bit clunky. And then poor Super Invader gets eliminated after a bulldog, which you don't yeah. see very often, do you? <laughs> um, but then, like you said, it's just it's just a, a bit of a mess after this. You getting people getting like Scott Steiner getting DQ'd after hitting a hitting a Doomsday device. You get Rick Steiner and Vader fighting on the outside and they get counted out. Oh, no, Rick Steiner gets counted out at that point, doesn't he? Sorry, I should say. Yeah. Um, and then Vader gets disqualified after coming from the top rope and smashing both Rude and Sting. So it all gets all gets a bit messy. At that point, Jake Roberts puts on his snake handling glove and then takes it back off again. Which is just a bit, a bit <laughs> I've weird. not noticed that. <laughs> puts it on, does nothing, takes it back off again. And then DDT Sting and the match is over. I quite enjoyed it. It was a bit mad. Like you said, Tinky, I like the fact there was a bit of wrestling and I love the, the period in the match between Vader and Rick Steiner I think it's, it's so good yeah I thought it was decent but a bit messy in parts yeah I, I probably have to agree with the summary except I just love the Rick Steiner Vader so much the stuff between them so much I'm like I'm just love it I just think it was great yeah. I just thought it was so good this match because of the stuff they did and then they had the temerity to try and do a doomsday device on Vader like Rick Steiner tr- or, or Scott, I can't remember which one, tries to get them up on their bloody shoulders and lift yeah. them up into. They don't quite manage it. They can't. He kind of crumples underneath him. Yeah. But I was like, just to even try and do it, you fucking mad bra- bastards! It's great. It's so great. I just, I just loved every minute that Vader was in the ring. He's just, he's just the absolute boy. I was gonna suggest towards the end of the year that we do some kind of thing where we crown our kind of MVP of the year. I don't even need to do it now. Vader's won it. Like Vader's just phenomenal. I love everything he does. Just give yeah. me Vader every single week. So all that stuff between them two is is really cool. I do agree though. There's a bit after they do the Steiner line, which is them trying to do the Doomsday device. After that, it gets really messy. And it's a shame because prior to that point, I thought we're going to get some quicker eliminations than would normally happen in a singles match but this should be a really cool little move towards the the end the middle bit's really messy then they kind of bring it back for maybe three or four minutes in the in between and then the end's quite messy because you said when vader does his splash off the top rope he hits both sting and rude but splashes them in the head which is weird and he he gets both of them and you're like well what what that doesn't like it's not like at the last minute, one of them moved or anything. They just both happen to just be led there and Vader just doesn't really care who he gets. It does work because obviously at the end, Roberts then just pulls Rude over to the, the corner, pins, uh, tags him in, pins Sting after doing the DDT. And of course, that sets up their match coming up at Halloween Havoc, which makes perfect sense. The heel going over in a multi-man match 
before the pay-per-view where they have a singles match makes perfect sense but it was just a little bit messy but i don't care i thought this was really good i thought it was really really good really exciting i love i do love an elimination or survivor series match if if you've got big stars that matter and people care about them and they get given a bunch of time to to use like some of my favorite matches are the big like the for example the wwf versus the alliance survivor series match is absolutely phenomenal the match that happened i think the uh, 2014 survivor series match i think it is where it's five guys against the authority their team oh yeah and sting arrives at the end of it like that is an incredible match and i love those kinds of matches and this was i thought for a minute gonna get there it doesn't quite it falls short of those things but i still thought it was great what about the uh 20 man 10 tag team survivor series match uh survivor series 88 yeah classic (laughs) classic um so yeah i I, yeah I, i thought it was a good main event so we haven't finished the show yet though because we've got a couple of things still to go. First of all, JR says that uh, 88% of fans voted to rescind the ban yes! on jumping off the top rope. I don't know if that means it is rescinded. It's just that yeah. that's the public's opinion. Um, yeah. Then we get the extended advert for Halloween Havoc. Oh. This features, as I said, Medusa and Jake Roberts and someone who looks like Hornswoggle. Um <laughs> You've got Jake Roberts in a little booth where he's kind of he's kind of hidden. You can't really see him until he steps into the light. Uh, there's all these sort of bikers, as you say, these miscreants in the bar that are kind of set up to look menacing. And all of this is looking quite cool. You have the bit where kind of Medusa jumps down a sort of drain by the looks of things, and then open yeah. tries to tries to you know, then opens a little slot in the door, and they say, you know, spin the wheel, make the deal. Then Sting arrives and messes everything up as far as i'm concerned because because the minute sting arrives everything gets really campy and and nowhere near as as seedy as it has been him and jake roberts have a back and forth where again sting is very wooden i think fucking is he oh wooden fuck yeah jesus christ mate but jake roberts cracking he's absolutely cracking in this he's so good then they talk about spinning the, the spinning the wheel. So this is all leading up to Halloween Havoc because Sting and Jake Roberts are having a spin the wheel, make the deal match, which is a, basically a match where they have to decide the match on the night by spinning a wheel. And um, they then he then challenges his, uh, Jake Roberts to spin the wheel. Now they spin the wheel. They then do a face to face and magic comes out of their eyes. <laughs> Little yeah. lasers come out of their eyes and meet in the middle. And then there's a freeze frame and we see the Halloween Havoc sign come up. And that's the end of the advert. As I said, cracking until Sting turns up. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then lots of silly kiddie type stuff happens. And it's a shame. Sting so, is in Thunder in Paradise. Right. Three years after this. <laughs> this you remember Haxel Jim Duggan? Uh, SummerSlam 1990 with his acting. Mm-hmm. Tinky in particular was put out. He'd got an Oscar compared to this. <laughs> it's horrendous. Yeah? Well, let's just do it now. <laughs> oh, okay and then like you said the comparison between him and jake roberts where jake roberts is slow in his delivery he's sinister and then stings just like a fucking deck chair thrown on set and someone's just <laughs> gone oh, fucking someone take a shit on that and make it act terrible but good fun to be honest so i watched the first promo at the beginning of the pay-per-view I thought, I'm banging for Halloween Havoc like too. Absolutely banging for it. I watched the second one. I feel like, mm. 
What's the third one? I was like, oh, fucking hell, this, this, this fucking, every, I'm not interested in this. And I watched this promo. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in. <laughs> my God, I'm in for Halloween Havoc 92. So I could have done without the eye lasers, if I'm being yeah. honest. But everything else, wonderful. Including Sting's dreadful <laughs> acting. Truly dreadful acting. I mean, yeah. we've seen some absolutely, we thought that like Evolution were bad back on that one that we watched a couple of months back where they're having all of their heart-to-heart oh. conversations <laughs> with Triple H about Eugene. Or the or the uh, Randy Orton and um, Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes programs oh. were bad. They acted. Or dare I say, Shawn Michaels concussed acting. This, <laughs> those are all Oscar award-worthy performances compared to the drizzling shits that Sting comes up with. But I'm loving it as well. And I'm especially loving Jake Roberts. Because Jake Roberts, a, there's an amazing kind of degree in, like degree in quality between the two of them. That Sean, uh, the Sean? Sean Roberts is looking really menacing and evil and scary and sinister and just terrifying. And then there's Sting looking about as charismatic as this fucking desk that I'm sat up to trying to trying to be intimidating. It's wonderful. Big Sean Roberts then. <laughs> yeah. Sean the Prawn Roberts. <laughs> There's a review I remember reading of the film The Rock where it's it's very positive review, but overall it's saying it's really odd because Ed Harris seems to have turned up to a different film to everybody else. Everybody else is in this big <laughs> Big budget blockbuster piece of fun, and Ed Harris is acting his heart out to make it like something else. Yeah, that's what Jake Roberts feels like in this because there's a bit when St- when Sting gets there, the bikers, the miscreants that we've seen, who all look really menacing, suddenly start going, "Ooh, yeah," <laughs> and it's like, "Why? What's happened here?" Like for the first two minutes of this, this looks really, really dangerous and kind of like it's a seedy and and whatnot. And gritty, and then Sting's turned up, and it's turned into like a musical. I mean, what's going on? It's so weird. They're like, um, they're like the pirates in Hook, aren't they? It's like, it's yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, they are. Um, it's it's just really strange, but yeah, it's it's cracking stuff. It's just a shame that they didn't like they, they just just one or two tweaks here or there yeah. we, would have been perfect. And I think the worst part of it was the the, the lasers coming out of their yes. eyes at the end. I just like, what is that about? Like, get rid of that straight away. But why no one said like like they do in Father Ted when they're they're doing My Lovely Horse and they say we've got yeah. to get rid of the sax solo. Why no one just said <laughs> got to get rid of these got to get rid of these bloody lasers, guys? Uh, can you imagine thinking they get rid of a sax solo was a good idea? <laughs> So that brings us to the end of the show, uh, unfortunately, because let's be honest, it was a uh, just the Halloween Havoc advert in it on its own was uh, was a cracking bit of fun. Um, what are our overall thoughts? Um, MVP, match of the night, etc., and score out of ten. Let's start with you, Tom. For an event that's an hour and fifty-three minutes, and there's only five wrestling matches, and four of them are very short, it's hard to give this a um, a really good score based upon the in-ring quality because with the exception of the main event none of the matches are long enough to actually do anything really i'm going to give it overall i'm going to give it a four no i'm going to give it a five because no i'm giving it four fuck that i'm going to give it four because i was thinking i'm I was thinking again i'm enjoying it i enjoyed it loads i didn't enjoy it loads i enjoyed talking about it so that's that's a different thing altogether. so i'm going to give it a four i'm going to give my match of the night to the main event and I'm going to give my MVP of the night 
night to Rick Steiner because he oh, surprised me with, and admittedly, it could go to Vader, but he, he, we give him his flowers all the time, Big Leon. So I'm going to give it to Rick Steiner because we've had a little bit of a laugh at Rick Steiner because of his terrible promos that he's done in the past. <laughs> but he is magnificent in this. And obviously, you know, he takes two to tango. Vader's got a big part in it, but I wanted to give a shout out to, to Rick Steiner in this. He was involved in the, the best moments on the entire card. Lovely old job. That's it. It's always good that the dog face gremlin has his day. So, this is weird. I finished watching it and I was like, I can't write a little summary now. Because I had no idea. Literally no idea. What this feels like, one of those compilation shows that Alex Zane hosts on Channel 4. Very specific. Yeah, where you've got a load of crap around some really good stuff, but the really good stuff is kind of lost in the crap because there's there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really make any sense on this show, and it kind of just feels like an advert for Halloween Havoc after a little bit. It's just not very good, to be honest. I found, like, it's an hour of 53 minutes, like Tommy said, and I found this a real trawl. I think the main event's okay. The match of the night for me is the opener, Austin and Steamboat. And we all know the MVP is Mr. Wrestling, too. <laughs> he missed out once, but he ain't going to miss out again. And as a rating... I'm going to give this a 3 out of 10, I think, because there's five matches. One of them, I think, is good. The main event, I think, is all right. And the rest of it, I don't think it's very good. Sorry, lads. Well, you should be sorry, in my opinion, because I think that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not what I was expecting, I've got to be honest. I rated this 6 out of 10. Um, I think for a two-hour show with five matches, I couldn't accept, expect much more than this. If I'm honest, I think if there'd been another match in the middle of it, this might even have been a seven for me because I thought the main event, as I say, I mean, I just thought that the bits with Vader and Rick Steiner were so good. It lifted it to a, a very high level for me, a really good, a, just really good. Um, the match of the night for me is the main event because of that, although I really did like the opener as well what brought it down one rating point at least was all the talking in the middle there's just a lot of talking segments huge amounts of parts of the show which are not uh, wrestling which i don't always have a problem with but there's lots of non-wrestling and also non-storyline moments so there's the bit with mm. mr wrestling 2 the bit with bruno sammartino there's all the clips some of which are completely far away there's absolutely no point for them to happen they feel really random and so those bits for me were the weakness. But even with that, I thought the show was really perfectly watchable. And uh, yeah, I liked it quite a lot. So I give it a six out of ten. My MVP. So I was going to give it to Rick Steiner. But given that it's already, you know, Tom's already given him a shout out. I thought I would change my mind and instead go with old Jake Roberts for his acting in that in that final bloody advert. Because He's magnificent. Like, he really is really good, really engaging. And as I say, everybody around him is doing their best to mess it all up. And yet he is sticking to it and he's staying on task. So I give him a lot of credit for that. So Jake Roberts gets my MVP of the night. So that brings us to uh, the end, basically, apart from a couple of pieces of um, uh, business that we need to do. So first of all, just recently, I joined Rory McNamara on the Place to Be Podcast Network's Senior Video Show, where we covered Paul Bearer's Hits from the Crypt, a VHS compilation from 1994. It was a little bit of extra Amazing. fun. A little bit of extra fun for any fan of this show. So please go there and check it out. Tom, for you, it's the game. What have we got? 
I do have the game. And here you go, boys. We got a, a whopping. A, I think. Remember we talked about the Triple H Chris Benoit match, and I believe you said it was a, a bollock breaking thirty something minutes. Well, <laughs> yeah. We've got a bollock breaking eighty nine potential answers here. Oh, hello. I want you lads to tell me all eighty nine members of the AEW roster. <laughs> This has got all of the uh, signs of someone who literally just thought of this before the show. Facts. <laughs> too, too many facts. So, old man, you go first. Jericho. Christopher Jericho. He is there. You're right. Uh, Kenny Omega. Kenneth Omega. Yep. He's there as well. He's getting get involved. He's all in. Brock what? Anderson. <laughs> That's a name I wasn't expecting to come out so early, but yep, there he is, big Brocky, Broccoli. Um, broccoli. <laughs> uh, Nick Jackson. Ah, Nicholas Jackson. I know he's there. I've got to find him on the list. Yes, there he is, confirmed. Cody Rhodes. Yes, he is there. I was wondering, worried no one was going to get him. <laughs> uh, Matt Jackson. Ah. I see what you've done there, Tinky. Smart. He is there. You're correct. Your favourite, Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes. Yes, he is there. Um, Malachi Black. Malachi Black. What? A, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss his name at some point. But you're right. He is on there. One Eye Malachi. Uh, Q T Marshall. Bloody hell, lad. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, Miro. Miro, yes, that is also a very useful project management tool, if you've ever used it, Tinky. But yeah, there he is. I don't think I have, actually. Uh, Paul White. He is on there, correct. Um, Yeah, let's go with uh, Matt Hardy. Matt Harvey Hardy is also there. Orange Cassidy. Would anyone if he's any relation to Leaf Cassidy? And do you know what? He is on there. <laughs> Uh, Darby Allen. Darby Allen. Lovely stuff. There he is. A little goth in the skateboard. Having a lovely little time. <laughs> evil Uno. Yes, the evil one. That's what that means, old man. <laughs> um, Sting. It's Sting! It's Sting! Go on, old man. Give us a scream. <laughs> he is on there. Hugh Grayson. Whoever the fuck that is, there he is, a greasy stew. <laughs> greasy stew. Um, pack. That's how I make you fucking pack that one in there, aren't you? Certainly have. John Moxley. John Moxley. Yes, he is a correct. He is a roster. A roster? Yeah, he's a fucking roster actually. <laughs> um. What's his name? Fuck, can't remember his name. Okay, I'm going to go for someone else. Um, Christian Cage. Christian. Yes, he is on there. Um, Christian Helena Cell. Would be his name if you, uh, if you were back to WWE. Uh, Vance Archer. Mm, no, I don't have a Vance Archer on this list. There's a Lance. Oh. Yeah, it's going to say it's Vance a name. <laughs> I think someone I have heard it before, but not it's not a common one, no. No. So Tinky, it's up to you now. Okay. You to win. Eddie Kingston. 
Eddie Kingston. He is indeed on the roster. Uh, so well done, lads. You uh, you did all right. I, there's a couple of notable omissions though that you didn't, didn't get. We didn't say CM Punk, but I was you, you never no know it's on your list. No one said CM Punk. So did you have any more, Tinky? I've got Kazarian. Uh, yeah, he's under Frank, isn't he? Yep, there he is. Um, Jake Hager. Yep, of Luke Swagrahams. Uh, Sammy Guevara. Yep, he's on there as well. Big Sammy Sam. Jungle Boy. Oh, Luchasaurus. No, Luchasaurus. my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Luchasaurus, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm surprised you missed him because I know he's the favourite of yours. Yeah. Um, And Christopher Daniels, I imagine, probably. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, Marco Stunt. So, we've we've got here Aaron Solo, Alan Five Angels, Alex Three Reynolds, Andra, Andrade El Idolo, and Angelico, Anthony Bowens, Anthony Ogogo. Austin Gunn, Bear Boulder, Bear Bronson, Billy Gunn, The Blade, Brandon Cutler, Ryan Cage, Brian Pillman Jr., Brody One Lee Jr., The Butcher, Cash Wheel, my best friend, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Chuck Taylor, CM Punk, as already mentioned, Colt Cabana, Colton Gunn, Dante Martin, Darius Martin, Dax Harwood, Ethan Page, Fuego de Sol, Griff Garrison, Hangman Adam Page, Isaiah Cassidy, Jack Evans, Jeff Parker, Joey Janella, John Four Silver, Kip Saban, Lance Archer, Lee Johnson, ex Bristol City Manager, uh, Luther, Mark Quen, Matt Lee, Matt Seidel, Max Castor, Michael Nazag- Naz- Nakazawa, MJF, uh, Nick Comoroto, Ortiz, uh, Penta L Zero Medio, uh, Peter Avalon, Powerhouse Hobbs, Preston Ten Vance, that might be where you got your Vance from, Ray Phoenix, Ricky Starks, Santana, Scorpio Sky, Serpentico, Sean Dean, any relation to Simon Dean, I wonder, Sean Spears, Sonny, Sonny Kiss, Trent, there's, an ex, there's a question mark at the end of his name, and someone called Wardlow, who I was very excited uh-huh, yeah. I it said Warlord. I was very excited for a moment, but it turns out it wasn't. Then. I also thought you were going to say Sean Bean for a second, but it was Sean Dean. Bastards. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Bastards. Ah, bastards. Mongrels. Bastards. bastards. <laughs> Come on, you crazy bastard. <laughs> if you can go onto YouTube, there's an amazing clip. If you just write Sean Bean bastard, it's phenomenal. <laughs> well, I think we'll all, we'll have to close this episode now just so we can all go off and watch that video. So, old man, thank you for joining me today. And uh, I will make the apology to our listeners for the late sound quality change that we had in the show. I'll tell you what you could do. You can make no apologies to those shithouses because they, they won't remember that. The only thing they'll remember is Ken Patera. And Tom, thank you for your contributions too. Bastards. <laughs> we'll be back again next week with more of this complete and utter bollocks we talk but until then take care bye everyone love you